Our text this morning is verse 7 of Psalm 107, and so please open God's word to that place. And just to remind you, it says, And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. And as some of you will know that last Lord's Day morning, we considered the glorious end which is ahead for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're not there yet. We are on our way by God's grace, but we've not yet arrived. And Peter says in 1 Peter that we are strangers and pilgrims in this world. Paul says in Philippians that we are citizens of heaven. We long for glory. We long for that heavenly home which is to come. But the question is, how will we get there? Well, this lovely text that we have before us refers to a journey. And it's clear that someone is leading and others are following. And they're traveling from one place to another. But the questions are, you know, what is this journey? Who are the people on it? Who is leading them and where are they going? Well, just to clarify a number of things. Now, some suggest that this text is a reference to Israel as they went from Egypt to the promised land of Canaan. And uh, we know that God had promised the Israelites that he would take them from bondage into a land, a habitation, a dwelling place that was flowing with milk and honey. Now, of course, that's true, but the reality is that this isn't what this text is referring to. It cannot be the case, because if you look at earlier in verse 3, it says that the Lord gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. And so it is not a, a reference to the deliverance of Israel from Egypt, although there are many other Psalms that speak of that. There are others who say, well, the reference is, of course, the journey made by the Jews when they, they came back from captivity in Babylon. Now, if you read the Word of God, the latter parts of the Old Testament prophecies, they refer specifically to the time when those 70 years of exile for the Jewish people were over. And then many thousands made their way back from Babylon and came back into their own land. And we see that Nehemiah, for example, uh, recalls and recounts the rebuilding of the city and all of those things. So is that the reference in our text? Well, again, I would say no. Because in this psalm, we have a reference to uh, wandering in the wilderness, finding no city to dwell in, and indeed gathering them out of the lands, not simply from Babylon, but gathering the people from various lands of the, the north, south, east, and west from across the world. So something else is in view. And so we can rightly interpret these words as the Lord gathering his elect people out of all nations from across the world. God summons to those whose names are in the Lamb's book of life and calling them to himself and drawing them in that way. And he is gathering them from the lands, from the east and the west and the north and from the south. And we find ourselves here if we are among the people of God this morning. And the Holy Spirit may have a, a passing allusion to what happened in Old Testament times, but the main point of the text is to look forward to the, the end of the world when all the Lord's people from all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues will be gathered and will come to a city of habitation. And many, many have reached that heavenly place, but many have not, including us, if we are believers this morning. We are still journeying home. And so verse 7, being led by the right way, coming to a city for a dwelling place, it corresponds to the journey that the believer 
takes through this world, through this life, until they are brought home to heaven itself. You know, it is a, an obvious connection, but you think of Pilgrim's Progress and John Bunyan comes to mind. Famous book in which Christian makes the journey from the, the city of destruction to the celestial city. But you know, as we read the, the word of God, it is so glorious that you know, all these centuries before the Lord Jesus Christ came, the inspired word of God refers to what is true today all over the world. That God is calling his people out to himself all over the world. God is calling his people, calling them by name, leading them to this glorious city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So very simply this morning, I want to look at a number of things. And the first is this, the God who guides. Notice that it says in our text, he led them forth. He led them forth. The guide is God himself. It's a marvelous thing. He takes an active interest in guiding his people. It's not a word that he, he delegates or hands over entirely, even to the angels. You know, God has many whom he summons in this life to be a help to his people. The Bible tells us that, you know, the angels watch over us. He also gives under shepherds within local churches to do a little in terms of caring and guiding and instructing in the way. He also gives us faithful families of the Lord's people in a, a local church. And that helps us as we walk together and press on in the narrow way, walking together in this world. But the guide ultimately is only and always God. And so we, we mustn't get taken up with the, the creature too much, as it were. What really matters is that God is guiding his people through this world. You know, and great men have, have recognized this and enshrined it in thought in famous writings. That's why we sang that wonderful hymn, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, the great Welshman, William Williams. You know, and guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. And that's the thought which we find in this text. God is the guide of his people. And friend, it is a wonderful thing to know that he is well qualified and well able to accomplish that task. You know, our great God is all wise. He is all knowing. He is all powerful. He knows all the difficulties, all the problems, all the enemies that we encounter in this way. Look again at verses five to six. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distresses. He redeemed them. He delivered them. And we're reassured that the, the Lord our God is guiding us through this world. He is a God of perfect wisdom. He knows the journey. He knows the way. He is most wise. Just a really obvious thing to say, dear Christian, but we don't know the way to heaven. In that sense, we know, of course, it's in Christ. But if we had to actually find our way there ourselves, we would be in serious trouble. I don't know how to get there any more than you, but the Lord does. And in every journey, in every step of the journey, we are taking towards the heavenly city, that glory to come. We are reassured that infinite wisdom, infinite skill, eternal knowledge is with us. And not only that, but the God who is our guide is also all-powerful. It is impossible for any of his enemies to stand up 
and defy his will or frustrate his purpose. You know, we read in Hebrews 11 about Abraham. And uh, maybe you remember when God called Abraham in Genesis 12, he, he called him and he said, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing in you. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. You know, that's how the Lord calls his people. He speaks to them silently and secretly in their own heart and in their mind and in their conscience. He draws them sweetly to himself out of this world away from this world and onto this pilgrimage. You know, Abraham went through many troubles and trials, but God was with him and defended him and led him on and brought him through. And you know, God is our guide, this wonderful guide. He is all wise, he is knowledgeable, he is all powerful, and also he is omnipresent. Now that is to say he's present everywhere all of the time. You know, you and I are really but specks of dust. But the God who leads his people leads every one of them and is equally present with them wheresoever they are at any one time. You know, this is the, the great wonder about God. You cannot say about God that he is in one place but not in another. His presence, his essence fill heaven and earth. He is all present to all his people so that God really is a companion to them, to every one of them. His ability is such that he can hear all the prayers of all his children all the time. Isn't that a staggering thought? You know, they, they ascend him all very different, one from another, yet he knows what each one needs. He knows what you need. His wonderful omnipresence, it assures us that he will, he will never leave us. He'll never forsake us until he has brought us through and gathered us into that blessed place above. God is with us wherever we are. Whatever we are going through, the Lord is near. And in Christ, he is in us by his spirit. Our God is the guide. He led them forth. You know, friends, maybe we look over our lives and at times they seem to be made up of all manner of strange windings and turnings. And we look back and we see really how little we could, you know, see into the future when we were younger. You know, how, how little did we imagine that life would turn out the way that it did. And we sometimes unbelievingly question if we, we went wrong here, there, or, or somewhere else. And, you know, there is a danger in that that we can begin to overthink and all those things. The reality is, the answer is, God had a higher and secret hand in all our wanderings. And he has brought us to the point that he has. He led them forth. He took a way with them which maybe was surprising to them, but which was a way according to his own infinite wisdom and skill. And you know what's amazing about this guide is that he is most patient. You know, if you had to lead me to heaven, or if I had to lead you to heaven, it is very possible that because of our cranky and moody natures and our impatience with one another, we will give up the task almost as soon as we started. But the Lord bears with all our infirmities and he puts up with all our shortcomings. The Lord guides his people on, notwithstanding that they come so far short. 
You know, you think, how many times in the wilderness do we provoke him? How many times in this life have we given him occasion to cast us off and turn his back upon us? For the promise of the Lord is true and faithful. He will guide and he will lead his children until they are brought home and brought to absolute perfection. He led them forth. He is leading them still. And you know, maybe here this morning you think, I've made so many mistakes. There are no mistakes you can make which he cannot put right. No blunders that he cannot heal. No experiences that we go through that he cannot sweeten and make profitable to us along the way. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling tired. Maybe you're feeling downcast. Maybe you just feel as though you made a right mess of things. Well, if you're a believer, he holds you still and he loves you still. And he is working and he is overruling to bring you on. And when we understand that God is our guide in this way, you know, it's for this reason that the psalmist tells us in verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Or verse 8, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. God is our guide. And if we can say that believingly this morning, if we are in Christ, what a blessed position we are in. Because what he has committed and promised to do, he will do. His word will not fail. God is our guide. Second thing I want you to see is that God is our guide and he brings us on the right path, by the right way. You know, the psalmist says very clearly in verse 7, he led them forth by the right way. Wasn't any way, wasn't a haphazard way, it wasn't one of a thousand ways which happened to fit conveniently. It was the right way. And friend, God is taking the right way with you and with me and with all his chosen people. You know, how very different, incidentally, are the ways whereby God takes his people to glory. You know, some have a very long life. Some, uh, you know, are taken, you know, and it seems very short. Some are very healthy. Some have afflictions and troubles all their days. Some seem to have ease, others seem to have great difficulties, all have affliction of some measure, all are humbled and taught by God. But along this right well, you'll notice time and time again throughout this psalm, there is reference to something which is so important, and that is that the first step in the journey is a step which God brings us all to the end of ourselves, if we know him. Each one of the Lord's people is generally brought to a point in their lives where they can no longer ignore the great realities, the fact that they are spiritually bankrupt, that they are in great need, they're aware of their sin and the reality of God himself. You know, if you look at verse 27, you know, it, it's got that phrase there, they reel to and fro, they stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. And you know, God often, and certainly in that first instance when we're brought to know him and to trust him, he brings us to our wit's end. He brings us to the end of ourselves. Now you might know already, but this psalm has a number of pictures, different and yet all conveying the same truth. And so the first one is people journeying through the wilderness. The second one has to do with people getting into all sorts of problems and difficulties the third one has to do with being in a storm at sea and so on. All these various pictures. But all of them teach the same 
basic lesson of salvation that God carries his people through this life on a journey towards the heavenly city, but it begins by that desperate crying out to him and that turning to him. And one of the great lessons that God insists on teaching us at the beginning and all the way is that we have to live in that dependence to cry out to him for mercy. Every believer has been shown their total inability to save themselves. And so you see time and time again, they, they cry out to the only one who could help them. You know, they, they don't try harder. They don't try to sort themselves out or secure their own exit from trouble. They couldn't. You know, they're, they're lost in the wilderness. They're chained in prison. They're dying on a sickbed. They're, they're caught up in a storm at sea. In every picture, helplessness is underlined. And the only thing that they could do was to cry out in their distress. And you know, the true gospel hits against the ideas that somehow we can sort ourselves out. That we can somehow make ourselves good enough for God. Now, the true gospel says... You're a wilderness. You're broken. You're sinful. You're in desperate need. And God leads his people in such a way that they realize they cannot get to heaven on their own. You know, those who are never converted, those who are, you know, born again, they're never brought to that place in that sense. They always think that they can manage themselves. They always think that they can somehow by themselves sort it out. But those who are the Lord's people, those who are believers, those who are genuinely taught of God, they are brought to that point where they realize it's got to be him, not me, him. It's so that, you know, we'll not trust in ourselves and our hearts will be broken to a state in which we cry out to him. You know, if you just trace through, look at some of the other verses, verses 12 to 13, therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down. There was none to help. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Verses 18 to 19, their soul abhorred all manner of food. They drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. So it goes on. This is the mark of being a true believer. This is the right way when we are humbled and brought down in our own eyes that we see there is only one source of hope. There is only one source of life and that is in the law. That's in God, it's in Christ. And if we have not learned that lesson, then we're not true Christians at all. You know, the Pharisee never comes to his wit's end. The Pharisee always really thinks he's good enough. You know, he thinks his own righteousness you know, keeps him going. The hypocrite never comes to the end of himself. You know, he can put a face on it before men until his dying day, and yet his heart remains unchanged. But those whom God is teaching and dealing with and working in, they come to this point in which they're at the end of themselves, and they genuinely call upon the Lord. As one explains, God forgives us for one reason only, and that is that he has punished our sins in the person of his own son, it is not our pleading, it is not our repentance, it is not our works. Salvation is a free gift of his grace. And you know, it is so remarkable this morning that everything that was necessary to save you and me, to deal with our guilt, to blot out our sin, to reconcile us to God, to make us children of God, 
Everything that was necessary was done by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all in him. It's all been done. It was done before you are ever born into this world. There is nothing left for you to do except to believe, to cry out, to be in that dependence upon the Lord. And this is God's way. This is the real way. It's the only way we can be saved. You know, and if you're here this morning and you don't know, you don't know for yourself, and maybe you're fearful of the future, maybe you feel you're, you're in that desperate need, cry out to him. And he'll hear you. Call upon his name. Believe that Jesus is the only one who can save you from sin and death and hell and lead you through this life. And he will hear you. And our God is a God who hears the cry of the distressed. And he sent his only son to deliver us and to bring us home. And you know, it's wonderful. That's the beginning. That's the, the first step. God delivers us. He saves us. And the next thing that God does for us is this. Having converted us and heard our prayers, he assures us that he will carry us through to victory in the end. That's the way that God is taking all his people. This way is the right way. You know, let me point out to you that the psalmist doesn't say to you here that it's the shortest way. You know, God could take his people to heaven as soon as he converted them, within moments of their conversion. But he doesn't normally do that. It's not the short way, it's not the easy way, it's not the most comfortable way, but it's the right way according to God himself. It's the best way for your soul. It's the best way to teach you the spiritual life. It's the best way to draw you out in your relationship with him in prayer and in grace, to know him. It's a safe way and a sure way and a certain way, but it is a way which keeps us on our knees. You know, the rightness of this way is to be judged like this. It compels us to wholly rely upon the Lord. You know, those who backslide are the people who fail to rely wholly upon the Lord. They start to look to themselves and to look to the world. They look away from the Lord. The rightness of the way in which he leads us when we follow him is that he will always keep us hanging on himself for mercy. Always him. And dear friend, when we get to heaven by his grace, we will look back and he will show us all the way that he has taken us. And we will then say, Lord, it was the right way. And however many difficulties I've had to pass through, however much sadness we have endured along the way, Lord, it was the best way. And you have brought me home. There is no possibility that I could have come to heaven any other way so well as by the way that you have ordained. It's the best way insofar as all our problems, all our difficulties, all our painful experiences are being sanctified to us and we are being transformed by them. As one explains, we are being fitted for heaven even now here upon earth. It was said of a great man that heaven was in him before he was in heaven. And that is true of all the saints of God. Heaven is in them before they are in heaven. God leads us. He leads us by the right way. And dear Christian, there may be times when in our lives we are confused by what God is doing and God's dealings with us. And if you sometimes say, you know, you, you cannot understand why the Lord is doing this or that or, or something else in your life. Well, I say to you and I say to myself, there are times when we don't know what he is doing, but we will do one day. 
And so we must walk by faith, even though we do not know at the moment where he's taking us. God often takes us in that manner. We have to trust him. We walk by faith, not by sight. Martin Luther said, God led me on like a horse with blinkers. I did not see where I was going till I got there. If I had seen what was ahead of me, I might have shied like a horse and been unwilling to go. So the Lord put blinkers upon me. And he led me into the experiences in which I had to confront the whole world for the sake of God and of truth and of Christ. And what's true of Martin Luther is true of all God's children. God leads us in the right way. And so we must depend upon him, my friend. And then as we finish, God is our guide. The journey is to take us home. And indeed, there is that home ahead. There is a certainty about the city, our dwelling place. Nobody goes on a journey without knowing where he's going. And God tells us where we are going. Look at the text again. He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. It's a certain end. It's a certain destination. And you say, well, why is it described like this? Why is it called that? Well, it's called that because it's a place that we shall never leave again. Heaven is a place where we are going and from which we will never depart. All the people of God from north and south and east and west across this world at this very moment that I am speaking, they are making this journey towards the heavenly Jerusalem if they're in Christ, true believers. It's called the, the high calling of God because it is lifting them up by sanctification to the glory of God beyond. Our citizenship in heaven, not on earth. We are children of the heavenly king. And for that reason, the Christian is so much better off than all the kings and all the great ones of this world. You know, the kings and the queens and the princes and all the, the wealthy and the celebrities who live in their fat palaces and fat pastures in life. They've got to leave all that behind. They have to say all their goodbyes to their great halls and their jewellery and their influence and their thrones and their wealthy friends and all the rest. Julius Caesar, he was once a mighty emperor of Rome and uh, he commanded a great expansion in Rome and he seemed unstoppable. You know, no enemy could come against him but then he was betrayed, killed by opponents in the cenotaph and his body was rolled down the steps. You see, his life in this world came to an end and all his great achievements could not help him then. It came to nothing. They're not conquerors for long, whoever they are. They all have to go. But the city that we are going to, my dear friend and believer, is a city of habitation. It is an eternal dwelling place. The home of God and of his people. Revelation 21, this wonderful promise I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, no more pain, for the former things have passed away. There'll be no loneliness there, because it is a city filled with the people of God. Imagine it, every place is open for you to go. Every person is your friend. No enemies there. 
Nothing that defiles shall enter in. Nothing mean, nothing small. A city whose streets are paved with gold, as it were. The city which is full of that special, beautiful light. Not the light of the sun, but the light that comes from God and from Christ. Imagine it. The beauty and the wonder of it. Imagine the, the light that emanates from the face of Christ, who is the king of that city. No more traveling. That is our home. The home of God and of his people. You know, David Charles put it so well in that hymn from heavenly Jerusalem's towers. The path through the desert they trace and every affliction they suffered redounds to the glory of grace. There look they cast back on the tempest, on fears, on grim death in the grave, rejoicing that now they're in safety through him that is mighty to save. And we from the wilds of the desert shall flee to the land of the blessed. Life's tears shall be changed to rejoicing, its labors and toils into rest. There we shall find refuge eternal from sin, from affliction, from pain, and in the sweet love of the Savior, a joy without end shall attain. What a marvelous prospect. There's a very famous story from ancient Greece. An army had lost its generals and they didn't know what to do. And so without leaders, the remaining soldiers, they kind of put some forward to act as leaders and they decided to walk hundreds of miles to try and take them back to their home of Greece. Now, apparently the Greek people loved the sea and they were seafaring people and they're not used to long treks on land and deserts and rivers and valleys and mountains and all these things, day after day, week after week, month after month. Well, eventually... One of these leaders was leading the people forward and they, they climbed a hill and they saw it before them. And they cried for the rest of the army to come to. And they cried out together, the sea, the sea, we're, we're nearly home, we can see home. And you know, there are times when as believers, we sense that nearness. Soon we shall be home. My father's house on high, home of my soul how near at times to faith's aspiring eye thy golden gates appear. It is a certain outcome. God will lead us there. You know, many who are with us on this pilgrimage are now home. They are with their guide, they're with their saviour, they're with their God. But in Christ we can know that one day we will be there too. And so don't doubt your destination, believer. It is set. Don't be too disappointed with anything in this world because God knows what he is doing and he has taken you by the right way. He knows where we came from. He knows where we're going to. And that is why we need to remind ourselves frequently of the great joy and blessedness which awaits us in that heavenly home to be with Christ, which is far better. The Lamb really is all the glory of Emmanuel's land. And so God is our guide. He will lead us through and he will bring us home. Be encouraged, my dear friend. Amen.